just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Saturday. We're just coming out of one hell of a week. We had the midterms on Tuesday. The Republicans were all excited about how well they were going to do. A red tsunami, a red wave. They were all excited. They were giddy. They were already making plans of what they were going to do once they had the big win. Well, unfortunately, when the midterms took place... It didn't quite go the way the Republicans thought. In fact, it went way wrong for them. The Democrats did pretty well. The Democrats had a great showing. Now, that said, we still don't know who's going to hold the majority in the House or the Senate. But we got some good news tonight. We'll talk about that in a little bit. First, we're going to check some emails that have come in. First one comes from Joshua. He says, Hi, Mike. If the Republicans end up with a majority in the House of Representatives, I say, don't sweat it. As you know, the job of Speaker of the House is to keep the party united, particularly when a party has a slim majority or a slight minority. As Trump loses his power, it will become easier for sane Republicans to reject Trumpism. Mike, you know as well as me that there will be a subset of brainwashed Republicans that will not get it and will drown along with the remaining fascist on the sinking Nazi ship. The party will be divided. McCarthy doesn't have the leadership skills or the intelligence to be the Speaker of the House with a slim majority. If he does become Speaker, it will be a shit show. My question, is there anyone that could successfully lead the Republican Party as Speaker of the House at this moment in history? I don't think there is any sort of pivot the party can make to pull themselves together. I think the party is looking at several election cycles or six to ten years to pivot back to being a strong party again if they are motivated and well-led. Thanks for your thoughts. You know, you're absolutely right. Uh, it isn't a foregone conclusion, first of all, that they're going to win the majority in the House. We keep hearing that. We heard that before the election. We heard that after the election. Well, the Republicans are going to win the House. And everything looked like they might. But, of course, the Republicans thought they were going to get 60 seats. Now, even if they win the House, and it's not assured yet, even if they win the House, they might get a majority of five more seats, maybe six more seats. And that's not enough. That's not enough to do much of anything. And for Kevin McCarthy, he's presuming that he'll be the Speaker of the House. The unfortunate thing for Kevin McCarthy is is that uh, in order to become Speaker of the House, he needs 218 votes. Now, if they had 60 more seats like they'd planned, there was a good likelihood that he'd get voted in. But there are a lot of people in the Republican Party that don't like Kevin McCarthy. He's failed at every turn uh, since he's been the minority uh, leader in the House of Representatives. He's made some stupid choices, and he's aligned himself with Donald Trump. 
And Joshua is absolutely right here. What's going to happen in the Republican Party is the people with relatively reasonable minds will be trying to separate themselves from the crazies. And if they see Kevin McCarthy is aligned with Donald Trump, well, then they're not going to vote for him. And they're going to need just about everybody. They're going to need a unanimous vote almost in order to get Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. So it's a really rough situation. I'm not willing to say that the Republicans are going to get the House yet. Yeah, it's tight, and it would be a long shot if the Democrats won. But everything seems to be going the way of the Democrats since the midterm. So I'm not going to give up until we hear the last votes and see what the last tally is. Joshua, thank you for the uh, comments and the question. All right, this next one comes from V. We've heard from her before as well. She says, hi, Mike. Now the election is behind us. I'm able to relax a little, but I'm still nervous about Republicans controlling the House and or the Senate. I know we did very well and we stopped them from gaining massive amounts of seats, but it would be so sweet to stop them from holding the House and the Senate. I'm also feeling so blessed that I live where I live. My state reelected our Democratic governor, secretary of state, and attorney general. And for the first time in 40 years, we turned our state house and state senate blue. I can't tell you the joy this has brought me. Yet, I was scrolling through TikTok last night and saw a video by someone I follow who lives in Alabama. He really pulled at my heartstrings. He mentioned how Alabama is at the bottom in the country in so many categories like health care, education, infant mortality, maternal mortality, uh, quality of life, and so much more. Yet they voted in the same people as always. He claimed that they were hardly any Democrats on the ballot to vote for. This really got to me. I feel so bad for people who live in these states. They have been abandoned by both parties. They don't even have the choices they strive for. People who are in these deep red states don't have choices. We have or are so beholden to the Republicans that they believe all their problems are caused by Democrats, even though there are no Democrats that run their state or local offices. Yeah, that's kind of the irony of it. The Republicans keep blaming the Democrats, but in a place like Alabama, there are no Democrats, so how can you blame Democrats? She goes on to say, you know what else got to me? The Senate race in Louisiana between the disgusting John Kennedy and the Democrat Gary Chambers. Kennedy got over 60% of the vote and Chambers got something like 17%. Are you kidding me? There's no way that there's such a small percentage of liberals liberals that live in Louisiana. It's more like people have given up and they truly believe even if they went out and voted, a Republican will end up winning anyways. That's just so sad. How are these awful leaders allowed to treat their constituents in this manner? They don't care to help their people and just care about their own power and wealth. I truly hope and pray for all of our people in this country. Thank you, V. Well, I agree with you, V. And the only explanation for this is people, I want to say people are stupid, but I can't really say that, but they're acting stupid. They're misinformed, ill-informed, whatever you want to say. 
They get their information from one source, and that source delivers lies and bullshit, and they believe it. They don't take the time to look any deeper than that. They've always voted for John Kennedy or other Republican candidates, and they figure, let's just stick with what we've got. You would think they would look at themselves and say, God, you know, I'd like to do better for myself. I'd like my state to do better. Maybe we should make a change. This is something I've always told my kids. Don't worry about being wrong. If you're doing something and it doesn't work, don't keep doing that same thing that doesn't work. Step back and say, you know, this seems weird to me. This isn't something I would normally do, but if I want a different outcome, maybe I should do something different. Just get wild one day and do something different. And that's what needs to be done in these states. I get frustrated, too, when I hear of things like John Kennedy in Louisiana. And part of me wants to say, look, if you're dumb enough to vote for this guy, well, you get exactly what you deserve. But then I think about these people being ill-informed, and they, they, they just don't know what they're doing. People's lives are busy. Some are apathetic, and they just go with the easiest thing. They go to the ballots, and they pick out the names they know, and they just vote. They they aren't even interested or excited about voting. And that's how these people get in. This is how incumbents always have an advantage. The name is known. They know what they've dealt with. And some of these people who struggle with minimum wage jobs and no kind of help from the government, they just assume that's their lot in life. They assume that's what's going to happen, and no matter who they vote for, it's not going to change anything. And that's what they believe. So they're kind of trapped in this vicious circle of poverty and uh, inattention by the Republican Party. I don't know what the answer is. To be perfectly honest, Donald Trump was probably the best remedy for apathy and for for misinformation. Because whether you watched Fox News or CNN, you could always watch Donald Trump and hear the words coming out of his mouth. And you should be able to discern what's truth and what's lie, what are lies if you're just a normal human being, regardless of what you're Uh, party affiliation is, but they don't even grasp that. There are just so many people in this country don't care about politics, don't think they have any input. They've been trained to realize that they really have no say in anything. They just do what they do and fuck it. I'm stuck with this. And that is a sad state of affairs, V. I mean, we should all want better and we should all expect better and we should all go fight for better. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people that just aren't willing. As I've told you before, you don't go into any fight thinking I'm going to lose, because then what's the point of fighting? But many of these people have already given up. I'm poor. I don't have any money. I can't pay my bills. That's just what my that that's just how it ended up. I'm that's how I am. And this is not true. I mean, I know for me, and I'm sure a lot of you out there in uh, the audience. We've gone through different times in our life when things were good and things were bad financially. Um, Like everybody else, I spent periods of time where I struggled. And I really didn't think there was any way out, but I never thought, stop fighting for it, stop going after it. 
I mean, I wasn't ready to settle for the worst for the rest of my life. So you just keep fighting. And you might fail, and you might fail again. But all that tells you is to try something different. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that. And that's the unfortunate thing in this country. Okay, I promised you some good news, and we do have some good news. Democratic Senator Mark Kelly of Arizona has won re-election, overcoming a challenge from Blake Masters, a 2020 election denier, backed by President Donald Trump. The win brings Democrats one seat closer to control of the Senate. Most polling leading up to the election day showed Kelly with a consistent but increasingly narrow lead over Masters, who was running his first political campaign, and it showed. Masters exhibited no command over his messaging whatsoever. He praised the Unabomber for Christ's sake. Um, Masters frequently cited ideologues who opposed democratic governance. He said racial diversity at the Federal Reserve is the source of U.S. economic problems. He's promoted the racist replacement theory that claims non-white migrants are part of a plot to destroy America. He's blamed black people for the United States gun violence problem. He's parroted baseless conspiracy theories about Trump being cheated out of the 2020 election. But Masters couldn't master basic political communication as evidenced by his attempts to waffle on his proposal to privatize Social Security and wiping uh, of most of his extreme views on abortion from his campaign website. Yeah, he was all about being against abortion. But then when shit started to go wrong and public perception and public opinion showed that uh, <laughs> they didn't like the idea of overturning Roe v. Wade, he was one of those guys that went to his website and took all that rhetoric and bullshit off. He thought he could fool them. I mean, this is what it's come down to with the Republican Party. They essentially got beat in this midterms. Because whether you're excited about what's happened with the Democrats or not, the Democrats Democrats have had the best showing in the midterms after their president, a Democratic president, was voted in in like 96 years. Nobody's come out of this this good. And, of course, the Republicans will say, well, they aren't strong on inflation. They aren't strong on crime and all this stuff. And half the stuff they claimed about the Democrats wasn't true in the first place. But as so often is the case with Republicans, they do horrific things and they forget about that or they think people will get over it. And as I've talked about before, the big issue in this election was overturning Roe v. Wade. I told you when they did it, I couldn't believe it, because why would you do that before the midterms? But they are either so blind, so stupid, or so arrogant, they thought, oh, this will get us votes. And as I said before the election, how do you figure that pissing off 70% of this country and taking constitutional rights away from 50% of this country, that being the women, how does that get you votes? In no parallel universe does it get you votes. But for whatever reason, the Republicans thought it did. And when that became the big issue, they were taken aback. They were blindsided. Remember what I told you about blindsiding these fucks? I love that more than anything. 
I love it when they aren't expecting it and they get slammed, blindsided by a fucking bus. And that's what happened to the Republican Party in this midterm election. You can see it on Fox News, on OAN, on Newsmax, uh, Lindsey Graham, all these people now talking about it. They are genuinely surprised by how this turned out. I am not surprised at all. And it was because I'm not, you know, I'm not a psychic here. I don't know everything. But if you look at the facts and you understand how people think and you understand what you did, it didn't make sense that the Republicans were going to run roughshod in the midterms. How how could they? They pissed off too many people. Seventy percent of America with Roe v. Wade. They marginalized LGBTQ people. They're racist. They're white supremacists. That knocks out a lot of the people of color. How do you think you're going to win a fucking election doing that? Now, a lot of people I know um, disagreed with me. And, and that's fine. You can disagree with me. I wasn't making an emotional judgment. And that's, and that's the difference with the Republicans and even the Democrats to a certain extent. They, they make a lot of decisions and state a lot of things based on emotions. Well, something like an election isn't about emotions per se when it comes down to the ballot boxes. It comes down to the facts. Who is going to vote for who and why? And who are they not going to vote for and why? And there were just too many things not to vote for the Republicans. And we got the turnout we did. There were a lot of Democrats out there that were upset that we, meaning the Democrats, didn't wipe out the Republicans in a blue wave. Well, that was never going to happen. What they did in this midterm election is unheard of. It's unprecedented. So while it might not be a a decimation of the Republican Party, it's done so much. Everything is kind of a slow transition. What happened on the midterms, as much as we didn't get a major majority in the Senate and a major majority in the House, which is what I'd hoped would happen, they essentially demoralized demoralize the Republican Party. So the Republican Party we will see in January will be vastly different than what we've seen the last six years. They're not going to be as proud. They're not going to be as confident because they were doing all these things and they thought this would win for them. They really believed what they were doing was solid. They weren't coming up with any policies or strategies, but they didn't think they needed. All they thought they could do, all they thought they needed to do was own the lips. And this midterm election, they come to realize, ah, that's not enough. We've actually got to do something. So the reason the Republicans are going to be different after January is because you've got a split in the Republican Party. You know, you've got the base that's going to continue to follow Donald Trump and do all this shit and, and, and scream the same shit. But there's a lot of reasonably minded, relatively reasonably minded Republicans that are going to think to themselves, oh, we're fucked. We stuck by Donald Trump. We stuck by the white supremacy, the policies and all this stuff. And we got our ass kicked in the midterms. So if these people have any hopes for the future— 
for themselves and for the party, they got to make some changes. They got to do something different. So when the new Senate starts in January, they're going to have to take a different tact. You're going to have a lot of infighting within the Republican Party. It's already happening right now. And Donald Trump is going to be the uh, fire starter of the Republican Party burning themselves down. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. Now, there was some other good news that came out of Arizona. Um, and this was that Democrat Adrian Fontes, a former Marine prosecutor and county elections official, has won the Arizona Secretary of State over an election denying Republican who was at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Uh, Fontes' victory is going to provoke some small sigh of relief from those who were worried about American elections being overseen by people promoting former President Donald Trump's big lie. In Arizona, the Secretary of State also steps into the role of governor if the governor can't complete a term. Now, Fontes' opponent, Republican Mark Fincham, who was described himself as a member of the Oath Keepers. Yeah, he was actually a member of the Oath Keepers. Unsuccessfully filed a suit to ban voting machines in Arizona and co-sponsored a failed legislation that would have allowed the legislature to reward the state's electoral college votes to a candidate of the legislature's choosing. So this is big news. And in fact, this is something that's played out in a lot of states around the country. As much as we're concerned about uh, representatives and senators, these secretaries of state around the country, they have a lot of power when it comes to elections. And if somebody wants to come in and throw some conspiracy theories and try to overturn the election, these secretaries of state have the power to do some things. So there was a lot of concern about future elections if we start getting these election deniers as secretaries of state. But as far as I can tell, every one of those election deniers who were running for secretary of state have lost. And that says a lot. And you you know what's funny? Do you you realize there's some little hints of it, but you're not hearing too much about conspiracy theories about these elections. People are conceding from the Republican side. They're not bitching and claiming that there's election fraud. There'll be a few, like Carrie Lake, who's probably going to lose. She'll probably scream and yell that there was election fraud. But it's not like it was during 2020. And part of the reason for that is there's no presidential election. There's no focal point. There's a bunch of elections spread out, Senate uh, U.S. House of Representatives, Secretaries of State, Governor. I mean, how do you how do you corral that whole thing and claim it was a massive election fraud? You can't. You can't. And more importantly, the Republicans learned a lesson in the midterms, and that lesson is uh, claiming election fraud, touting the big lie, didn't fucking work. So they're not going to do it again, not to the extent that we've seen. There'll be some individuals that try it, but it's not going to be a big thing in the Republican Party. And that's that's good to hear. See, see what I mean when I when I say this is change the Republican Party, they're they're discombobulated right now. They don't know what to do. 
coming into the midterms, they were so sure that what they were do, doing was going to win for them. And then when it doesn't, like I say, they were blindsided. Now they don't know what to do. The crazies will always be the crazies. But the people who are a little more intelligent are sitting back and going, oh, we're fucked. The Republican Party, if we can't win big in the midterms, we're fucked in 2024. And they're absolutely right. I don't care if it's Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump. They're fucked. Especially if some things get done by the Democrats between now and 2024. And I really believe that now uh, it's going to be a much different situation than Joe Biden had in the first two years. Because when some things come up, some bills and such, you're going to get the Trumplefuck the minority of the Republican Party say, no way, we're not doing it. But the other people are going to try to separate themselves from the Trump Fox. And they're now realizing that doing nothing is not good for elections. So you're going to see more cooperation between the Republicans and the Democrats, whether it'll be a lot or a little, I don't know. But you're going to see more Republicans trying to get something done so they could have something to tout once they are running in 2024, because they have nothing. They have nothing. They have done nothing. They have no policies. They have no strategy. All they wanted to do was own the libtards, and that was it. But now they've learned a hard lesson. It doesn't work. It didn't work for them. So now they're confused, and they're going to have to figure something out. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do. As was mentioned above by one of the emailers, this isn't going to be a fast turnaround. They've pretty much destroyed their party, not only with Donald Trump being a part of it, but with this midterm elections. They picked the wrong strategy. They got embarrassed. They're in a chaotic state right now. They don't know what to do. And before they can turn anything around, they got to figure out what we're going to do now. And I guarantee you, trying to impeach Joe Biden is not going to work for them. Some people are really worried about, what if the Republicans get the majority in the House? Well, the Republicans going into the midterm elections thought they'd win 60 seats. And had they won 60 seats, they might have been able to do something. But even if they win the House, and I'm not convinced that they're going to win the House yet, they may. I mean, they're on track to do it, but they, they, they keep coming up short. So <clears throat> I have a feeling they could lose it. Now, granted, the Democrats will only have a small margin if they win, too. But you have to understand, when, when any party has a small margin, it's hard for them to, uh, to govern because the margin's so small. And the Republicans even have a bigger problem. As I said, you're going to have one part of the Republican Party want to continue with what they've done that's been a failure, but they're going to have the other people saying, you know, we've got to do something to make this better. We've got to have a chance in 2024. So you're going to see some Republicans say, yeah, you know what? This impeaching Joe Biden is a bunch of bullshit. We're not going to do that. So you're not going to see as much of, of, of the divisiveness Democrats only vote one way and Republicans always vote the other way. 
there's going to be some cooperation. So what may have happened here with Donald Trump in these midterm elections, the good part of what may have happened, it's going to force Democrats and Republicans to cooperate, to negotiate, which is the essence of what the House of Representatives and especially the Senate should be doing anyway. But for the last six years, that's not been the case. Democrats vote for something, all the Republicans vote against it. This is why not much gets done. Or if it does get done, it's kind of a half-assed attempt because the Republicans are trying to sabotage it and the Democrats just want to get it passed. And so you get a variation on what we expected. I mean, a good example of that is uh, Obamacare. Everybody complains Obamacare is not perfect. Well, it's not. It has a lot of problems. However, when it was first presented by the Democrats, it was pretty good. It wasn't perfect, but it was pretty good. And they were insistent on getting this passed. They needed to get it passed. But in order to get it passed, now they had to go to the Republicans in the Senate and get enough people to vote for it, because otherwise you got the filibuster and all that stuff. So now you've got to negotiate with the Republicans for the Obamacare situation and any other bill that's in that, like Build Back Better or anything else. So what the Republicans would do, they'd say, well, I'd probably vote for it if you did this or that or the other thing. Unfortunately, the Republicans aren't trying to make it better. They're trying to sabotage it and make it worse. So then when it does pass and it fails or does badly, yeah, see, the Democrats wanted Obamacare. They wanted Build Back Better, and it failed. It wasn't a failure of the Democrats. Well, it might have been, but, but the Democrats were just doing whatever they could to get something passed. And the Republicans were doing everything they could to make it go badly. And the unfortunate thing about that, when this happens, who gets fucked? You and me get fucked. These people are supposed to be doing the best for the country and all of us, but they're in this little pissing contest. And what ends up trickling down to us isn't as good as it could be because these Republicans don't care if it's good. They just want to own the libs. But now they're in a tough situation. Owning the libs did not work. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do when the new Senate and the new Congress takes effect. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are worried, well, what if the Republicans get the majority? Like I said, if they get the majority, I'm not convinced they will, but if they do, it's going to be a small majority. It's not going to give them any power. It may not even be a foregone conclusion that Kevin McCarthy becomes the Speaker of the House. As I said, there's a lot of Republicans don't like this motherfucker, and we're going to talk about that. They're speaking up right now. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So don't wring your hands. Don't clutch your pearls. Things are actually looking good. And I think the climate of this country is going to change from what it's been the last six years. I think it's going to get better. If you talk to or listen to these people that were fearful about our democracy being taken away, they're not fearful anymore. They've been very excited about what happened, and they feel safer for them for this country when it comes to democracy. So that's all good news. All right, we will take a quick break, and we will be right back. All right, 
I got a little laugh out of this story. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, he appeared to get a little emotional as he was pleading with people to support Georgia's GOP Senate candidate, Herschel Walker. Now, we know the scenario in Georgia. Herschel Walker went up against incumbent Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock. Now, in the election, Warnock got more votes, but he didn't win because in Georgia, if neither of the candidates get more than 50% of the vote, then they have to go in a runoff. So December 6th is the date of the runoff. There will be another election. We're like three weeks out from that, and uh, Warnock and Herschel Walker will go at it again and no doubt spend even more money between now and then. You can almost guarantee that Herschel Walker will do something fucked up or something will be exposed because Herschel Walker... Is, is We're constantly finding out new things about him, and he's constantly saying stupid things. And he's like Donald Trump. Just let him open his mouth, and he'll sabotage himself. But Lindsay's worried about this, and he's upset about it. He was very emotional. He said, these Democrats are making fun of Herschel Walker. They're humiliating him. They're denigrating him. And he had a little tear in his eye. He was really getting broken up. And he said, you know what the worst part of this is? The Democrats are making it so so that uh, black people or people of color won't want to be Republicans. <laughs> I found that part funny. Because I find it strange that Lindsey Graham would think the tipping point for people of color joining the Republican Party would be the treatment of Herschel Walker. For me, it would have been the white supremacy. That's where I think people of color are shying away from the Republicans. But, you know, I'm just an old white man, so what the fuck do I know? Anyhow, Lindsey Graham's very upset about this. And he did this on on Thursday, I think, on Sean Hannity's Fox News program. And that's a misnomer. It has nothing to do with fucking news. Graham accused Walker's critics of trying to destroy the candidate and his family. And I say, I think it's Herschel Walker that's trying to destroy his candidacy and his family. I mean, Lindsey Graham is upset and he's crying uh, because of how Herschel Walker is being treated. But what about all the women that were abused by Herschel Walker? The women that were forced to have abortions against their will by Herschel Walker. Or how about that girlfriend or wife he had where he put a gun to her head and said, I'm going to blow your fucking head off? Where are the tears for her? See, is it bad to call somebody a monster, an idiot, um, a, a, a bad choice for senator if it's the truth? And clearly... It's the truth with Herschel Walker. I mean, at this point, he's got his baby mamas and his 23-year-old son, Christian Walker, going out against him. Christian Walker has instructed his dad on social media to wear a fucking condom and stop fathering out-of-wedlock children he doesn't raise. And who would know better than his own son? Christian Walker said, you're not a family man. When you left us to bang a bunch of other women, threatened to kill us, and had us move over six times in six months, running from your violence, 
Walker's son posted the conservative family man tearfully backed by Graham has been accused by two former lovers of pushing for and even funding abortions, which he now supports making illegal. Walker has denied the accusations, but said there would be nothing to be ashamed of if he had paid for an abortion. Well, I don't know, Herschel, maybe the hypocrisy of it, the fact that you don't tell the truth, you're a pathological liar, you're not the smartest man in the world, and you're despicable. For me, none of those qualify you to be a U.S. senator. And Lindsey Graham is upset how this guy is being treated, but he's just being called out for the very things he's done. I mean, if you had Charles Manson and you called him a despicable killer, a cult leader, and all of those things, should we be shamed because we're speaking badly of Charles Manson? No, because he fucking did that shit. The same with Herschel Walker. Now, some people out there will say, are you comparing Herschel Walker to Charles Manson? Well, not quite. Not quite. But it's the same premise. If you did something wrong, if you're a bad person, it's not wrong to call you out. And see, that's what the Republicans constantly do. They do all these despicable things, and then they shame you if you have the audacity to speak out against it. Well, what are you supposed to fucking do? I got an idea. How about you just don't do fucked up shit? Then you don't have to worry about people talking shit about you. That seems like a easy, easy fix to the situation. If you don't want someone with Walker's lack of qualifications and bad personal character to be in the Senate, Graham claims, you now hate all conservatives and don't want any black people to be conservative. Jones summed up on Graham's position. (laughs) That's not true. All of us have got conservative black people in our families, Jones insisted. He's talking about Van Jones. Um, What are you talking about? The idea that we need somebody like Lindsey Graham to explain to us how to relate to different political positions in our own community is just ridiculous. And it is. This is what the Republicans, the white men, the old white men love to do. They love to tell people of color what they think, what they should believe, and they constantly lie. And then they are amazed when they get pushback. The ironic thing about Herschel Walker being a Republican and being a conservative and being supported by the Republicans and, I, and, and, and when I say this, I, I'm just parroting what I've heard other people of color say. I'm not in a position to make this judgment. But what other people of color have said is Herschel Walker is the absolute worst example for people of color in this country. Herschel Walker just typifies exactly what these white supremacists believe in people of color. It just so happens he might be able to get them a vote in the Senate. So they're going to side with him. They're going to support him no matter what. I know what they thought when they brought Herschel Walker in. They thought, well, he's a football star and he's black. And the white Republicans will say, see, we have a black friend. We can't be racist. But just like Donald Trump, they knew what they could do with Herschel Walker. They knew 
that they could manipulate him. They knew that they could control him. Because Herschel Walker is very much like Donald Trump. He's a narcissist. And they're real easy to manipulate. All you do is pat them on the back and tell them how smart and how great they are. And once you do that, they'll do anything you ask them to do. They're very transparent when it comes to these things. Like Donald Trump, the Republicans see Herschel Walker as a pawn that they can make do anything they want. Unfortunately, narcissists, once they get power, they tend to push back. Remember the scenario when when Donald Trump said, well, I talked Herschel Walker into running for Senate, and I did this and I did that. And Herschel Walker said, bullshit, that never happened. I don't know who's lying there. They're both pathological liars. It really doesn't fucking matter. But when these narcissists start bumping heads, then it gets to be a problem. Now, Herschel Walker still has the prospect of getting some power. Donald Trump is losing power every fucking day. He's becoming more and more inconsequential every day. Eventually, Donald Trump, and I told you this before the midterm elections, Donald Trump won't be a factor for the Republicans at all. And this is one of the reasons why I've suggested that he will not run for the presidency in 2024. If for no other reason, the Republicans won't allow him to be the candidate. They want to get as far away from him as possible. He won one election, 2016. 2018, he lost the House and the Senate. 2020, he lost the presidency. And 2022, he, he, he gave the Democrats one of the best showings in the midterms ever. I mean, how many times does a guy have to keep losing before you say, you know, it was a nice run, but uh, we're not with you anymore. Well, that time has come. That time is now. And he's going to keep trying to grasp to try to stay relevant, but he's not going to do very well. And then you throw in the investigations, the potential indictments. Donald Trump is done. He's not a factor in the Republican Party. He's only a factor in the base. And as I've told you many times before, that's only about 30% of this country at most. But even that is starting to diminish. Donald Trump doesn't have the power and control he once had, and he lost it at the midterms like I knew he would. And now it's just a matter before he fades away or ends up in jail, because that's exactly what's going to happen. Now, with these midterms, this did something else to the Republicans that weakens them. There's kind of a mutiny going on, and there's a lot of infighting going on, a lot of finger-pointing. It's your fault. It's your fault. And that's all good news for Democrats, because the more they fight, the better it is for the Democrats. The more they fight, the more divided they become. And the more divided they become, the weaker they are. This is all good news for 2024. We need to foment this. We need to continue it. And there's ways that the Democrats can do this. Um, now, several Republican senators are calling for a delay to GOP leadership elections next week as open warfare threatens the party. And Minority Leader Mitch McConnell following disappointing midterm results. But you see, here's the deal. It's all too presumptuous. Now it's looking like the Democrats might get the Senate. In fact, it's likely that they will get the Senate. 
So Mitch McConnell will remain a minority leader. Now, they can still kick out Mitch McConnell, which would be a mistake for the Republicans, but by all means, make that fucking mistake. Get some clown, get some crazy in there, because they won't last long. Why don't you get one of the guys like Ron Johnson, who was part of the insurrection, because eventually he's going to be expelled from the Senate for his part in that insurrection. Mitch McConnell's a pretty smart guy. He's a pretty powerful guy. I don't think he'll lose his spot as a leader for the Republicans in the Senate. Now, in a letter Friday, Senators Rick Scott of Florida, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, and Mike Lee of Utah argued the election should be postponed until there are serious discussions within our own conference as to why the party fared so poorly. See, now they're pointing figures. They're trying to blame Mitch McConnell or whoever or Kevin McCarthy in the House. That's going to happen. Senator Josh Hawley and Marco Rubio echoed the message. I don't know why Senate GOP would hold a leadership vote for the next Congress before this election is finished. Excellent point. Hawley wrote pointing to a Georgia Senate runoff election set for December 6th. The Missouri Republican has already made clear that he won't back McConnell. Well, there's one reason to not wait till the Georgia runoff. That's if Nevada goes Democrat. If Nevada goes Democrat. Now, now what you have to understand about the Nevada election, I know for days now you've been hearing, well, it looks like Republican Laxalt is going to win the Senate seat in Nevada. But things have changed considerably. Democratic candidate Cortez Masto she was behind by three, four, five, maybe even six points at one point early on after the election. The last check I checked before I started the show, she was behind by like one-tenth of a point. I mean, it's a razor-thin difference. And the reason I'm more confident in Cortez Masto and the Democrats in this situation, because we know that there's going to be another dump of, of votes that are coming in and that are going to be counted. Now, these votes sound like they're more sympathetic toward the Democrats. It's going to do better for the Democrats. And if that happens, well, then Cortez Masto will surpass Laxalt and probably give herself a pretty good distance between her and the Republican candidate. So there is a real chance that Nevada could go Democrat. Now, if Nevada does go Democrat, well, then the U.S. Senate majority goes to the Democrats because they have 50 sitting senators. The runoff won't determine who has the majority because even if Herschel Walker wins down there and goes to the De- uh, the Republicans, it'll still be a 50-50 split like we've already have. And uh, Kamala Harris, the vice president, will be the deciding vote, the tiebreaker, if you will. Now, it would be nice if the Democrats could win Nevada. And, and it looks like they might. It looks like they might. A lot of people are suggesting they might. You, you really can't say for sure till it's over. No one knows for sure. 
but it's looking like it's trending that way. She was a ways behind for a long time, and now she's neck and neck, and the coming votes are very, very much Democratic-weighted. There's going to be more Democratic votes than there is Republican votes, and she could certainly easily surpass him and win this fucking race. And if she does, it's over. The Democrats have the majority. So go ahead, have your meetings. Go decide who's going to be the minority leader because that's all you got in the Senate. Now, the House is a different situation, but the House isn't a foregone conclusion either. I mean, up to the election and just after the election, they acted like it was a foregone conclusion that the Republicans would take the majority. Well, that slipped away very, very quickly when the votes didn't go the way the Republicans expected. They are still leading in the House votes, but the Democrats are picking up some some districts as well. There's still an excellent chance that the Republicans will take over a majority in the House, but they'll have such a slim margin, they won't be able to do much, and there'll be a lot of infighting. So this was a huge win for the Democrats. I don't care what anybody says. It was a huge, huge win. Let's talk about Donald Trump, that fucking piece of shit. So, you know, Donald Trump is supposed to testify in front of the January 6th committee. He was supposed to testify last week, and they gave him till this next week to testify. And he was negotiating. He was talking to them, talking about negotiating and all that stuff and and talking about what he needed to come in and testify. But as I told you back then, there is no way he's going to testify. That would be suicide for Donald Trump because he can't tell the truth. He'll look like a fool. He doesn't realize that, but his attorneys do, and they're doing everything to stop him from testifying. So now here's here's the same old song. Former President Donald Trump is suing the House committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol in an attempt to block a subpoena requiring him to testify. The suit contends that while former presidents have voluntarily agreed to provide testimony or documents in response to congressional subpoenas in the past, no president or former president has ever been compelled to do so. Well, it's because you've never had to compel them to do so. Even Bill Clinton showed the fuck up. You're still trying to play off this privilege thing. And Donald Trump, I think we've established you have no executive privilege in this case. You're not going to win the lawsuit. And with any luck, the uh, court will come back and say, denied. Then he'll appeal it, denied. And he'll try to get it to the Supreme Court, and it won't even get heard. He's just wasting time. See, Donald Trump is supposed to testify on November 14th. Today is the 12th. That means, what does that mean? Monday? He's supposed to testify. Now, they gave him some extra time to uh, <clears throat> supply the documents, and I don't know where that is. We got caught up in all the election stuff, and I don't know where he is as far as providing the documents. He was supposed to do that well ahead of testifying. 
Now, he got a delay from the January 6th committee, but they said, you're not getting a long delay. You still have to provide this stuff. I don't know if he's turned anything over. I doubt he has. Otherwise, we would have heard about it, I'm sure. So, he's supposed to testify on Monday. But he's also talking about announcing for the presidency, and we'll talk about that in a minute. (laughs) I love that. But Donald Trump will not testify. The question is, what will the J6 committee do if he doesn't testify? Will they refer him to the DOJ for, um, for contempt of Congress? Well, they certainly could. I don't know that they will because there's all these other potential indictments coming out. What would be the point of, of mucking it up with this minor offense? and possibly affecting the bigger offenses. So I don't think I don't think that's what they would do. <clears throat> the suit likely dooms the prospect of ever having to testify. Not because he'll be found righteous in what he's suggesting, just because it will delay it. And by the time he's getting ready to testify, he'll probably be indicted for something else. Uh, the committee did not immediately respond to a request for a comment on the suit. The committee voted to subpoena Trump during its final televised hearing before the midterm elections and formally did so last month, demanding testimony from the former president. The committee members alleged Trump personally orchestrated a multi-part effort to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Frankly, this is the least of Donald Trump's problems, the J6 committee. His problems lie with the DOJ. The DOJ is going to fuck him up, and he has no wiggle room with the DOJ. They say, come and talk, you better fucking come and talk. And that day will come with the DOJ. And now that the uh, midterms are over, now that the midterms were over, um, they're going to be freer to go after this clown. Now, this lawsuit was filed in the Southern District of Florida where other Trump lawyers successfully sued to secure a special master who has been tasked with conducting an independent review of records. He tried to delay and delay and delay and got it to the Supreme Court, and it didn't work. This will be the same thing. It'll be delayed and delayed, and it'll get thrown out every fucking step of the way. But it won't really matter. Because as soon as the indictments start to hit, nobody's even going to think about this uh, this criminal contempt of Congress. Nobody's going to care. It's the least of Donald Trump's problems and the least of uh, um, the J6 committee and the DOJ's problems. So I wouldn't get too worried or too upset about this. Now, Donald Trump, obviously, the only thing he can really do, and he's failing at this now, too, is have a rally. He loves the admiration of his fans. He got a taste of that during the midterms when he stumped for a number of different Republican candidates. Unfortunately, those rallies were more about him, and not only didn't help those candidates, it probably hurt them. Dr. Oz is a good example. He went and stumped for Dr. Oz, and Dr. Oz got beat. In fact, a lot of endorsees that Donald Trump A lot of the candidates that Donald Trump endorsed failed. And this is what's causing Donald Trump so much turmoil. He is upset. We're hearing he's screaming at his staff, at his family, 
at his wife. He is upset because he knows he's fucked in this situation. Once you take the attention away from a narcissist and say, you know what, we're done with you, go away. That's when they freak out the much. Uh, That's when they freak out so much that they're hard to control. And Donald Trump will get to that point. Now, of course, as I said, the stumping for all these candidates didn't do any good. Now, what he's planning to do, and I'm hearing it's the 14th or 15th, the day he's supposed to testify. I think it's the 15th on Tuesday. He's got a big announcement. And one of his lackeys, Jason Miller, says Trump still plans on announcing his run on Tuesday. Now, I know there's a lot of uh, Democrats. Oh, my God, is he going to to announce that he's running for the presidency in 2024? Don't worry about that. Let's hope he does. Actually, him announcing for the presidency in 2024 would be the best thing that could happen to the Democrats. Look what his help did in the midterms. It fucked them over. The Republicans know it fucked them over. They know it hurt him. So if he announces that he's going to run for president, that's going to cause even more turmoil, more divisiveness, more chaos in the Republican Party, which, of course, will weaken the Republican Party. So by all means, Donnie Trump, please announce you're running for the presidency. It's not going to affect the Democrats one lick other than helping them. It's going to hurt the Republicans immensely, and the reasonably-minded Republicans know this, so they are desperate to get him to stop. <laughs> but it's Donald Trump. He's a petulant child. He's not going to stop. He's going to do whatever he wants to do. Now, Miller is a close aide to Trump. He told Steve Bannon on this fucked-up podcast that will be over soon when he goes to jail, President Trump is going to announce on Tuesday that he's running for president, and it's going to be a very professional, very buttoned-up announcement, he continued. He said, there doesn't need to be any question. Of course I'm running. I'm going to do this, and I want to make sure that the people know that I'm fired up. You know, I always love that when, when, when they say something like this. It's going to be very professional. What else would we expect from a former president? Well, with Donald Trump, you don't expect that. So they have to reassure us that it's going to be professional, not like normal Donald Trump bullshit. President Donald Trump, 45th president of the United States, will hold a special announcement at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, on Tuesday, November 15th at 9 p.m., Eastern Standard Time. Now, it'll be interesting to see if any of the left side media even carries it, but I bet they will. They love a good train wreck. They love a good shit show. And that's going to be entertaining, man. It's going to be very entertaining. And if any Democrat is worried about him announcing or scared about him announcing, don't. This is perfect. He's just weakening the Republican Party even fucking more. By all means, tell him you're running for president. The Republicans won't want to make him the candidate. They don't want to make him the candidate. So they want to get away from him as much as they can. But Donald Trump 
will stick his nose in it and fuck up again. And here's the other thing I would tell Donald Trump. You got this big runoff in Georgia. Herschel Walker, your buddy, you endorsed him. You need to get down to Georgia and really start stumping down there for your buddy. Get down there and start talking. Talk as much as you can, as much as you want. Because you know what? You're just going to be helping the Democrats like you did in the midterm. So by all means, let's let Donnie Trump claim he's going to run for president when he has no chance. Let's let him go down and support Herschel Walker, which will do nothing but hurt Herschel Walker. I love this. I absolutely love this. We're going to wrap things up here in a minute, but before we do, I want to talk about one other story. This one hasn't got a lot of coverage because of all the other shit going on, but uh, I love this one too. Remember InfoWars host Alex Jones and his telecommunications company? They lost another lawsuit Thursday, and now they have to pay... (laughs) Another $473 million for promoting false conspiracy theories about Sandy Hook school massacre, bringing the total judgment against him thus far, and it's not over yet. The total amount in the lawsuits he's lost by victims of the families from Sandy Hook is $1.44 billion, $1.44 billion. I guarantee you he doesn't have it. Now, a lawyer for Sandy Hook Families told the Associated Press that that said, hopes the award sends a message to conspiracy theorists who profit from lies. See, that's the one thing it's going to do. All these other people like Fox News, OAN, Newsmax, that want to perpetuate these 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 lies, they're going to think twice about it when their buddy is on the hook for $1.44 billion. The court recognized the intentional, malicious, and heinous conduct of Mr. Jones and his business entities, Christopher Matei said in a statement. So the question is, how does Jones react to this? Well, true to form, Jones laughed off the order on Thursday during a show calling the additional reward ridiculous and a joke and said he has little money to pay damages. Well, Alex, we know you have some money. And guess what? They're going to fucking get all of it. It may not be $1.44 billion, but it's going to be everything you have for the rest of your fucking miserable life. And that's cool with me. I don't think the people who won these cases ever expect to get all that money. It just doesn't exist. You're not that successful. You're not that wealthy. But whatever you do have, it's fucking gone. Jones sneered, and he was upset. You got to see the video on this. Well, of course I'm laughing at it. It'd be like if you sent me a bill for a billion dollars in the mail. Oh, man, we got you. It's all for psychological effect. It's all the Wizard of Oz. When they know full well the bankruptcy going on and all the rest of it, that it'll show what I've got, and that's it. And I have almost nothing. But six jurors ordered Jones to pay $965 million to compensate the 15 plaintiffs for the defamation infliction of emotional distress and violations of Connecticut's unfair trade practices. I mean, what can he do? These trumple fucks, all they ever do is double down. You can bankrupt his company, 
bankrupt him personally, and what does he do? He fucking doubles down. He spews more conspiracy theories. These fucking people just don't learn. They have no clue. But Alex Jones is done for all intents and purposes. And it's going to be interesting to see if Alex Jones also gets caught up in the insurrection. Because we know he was there. We know he was involved to a certain extent. It's a matter of whatever he did, is it enough to get indicted for? Because not only will he be stuck with a, a billion and a half dollar fine that he can't pay, but he also might do some jail time. If you're not a fan of Alex Jones, you need to know this. Alex Jones, his personal life, his business is all destroyed. He's going nowhere fast, except maybe to jail. And I'll keep my fingers crossed on that one. Hopefully, jail is next up for Mr. Alex Jones. All right. We are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast for tonight, this morning, today, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, I hope you have a great day. I thank you for taking the time out of your day to sit and listen to me talk here on the Rational Boomer podcast. And, well, we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.